the station that lives by the motto, rock or vacate the chair. Mr. Speaker! So to speak. I want to thank... Seville 1075 and 1260 WCHV. So, Thomas, in the morning, and I want to make something abundantly clear because we go through this every time there's some sort of primary challenge or somebody who's going to run against someone else. Or the, and, and, and I feel like I feel like that middle child that always gets caught in between the older sibling and the younger sibling and, and why is mom and dad fighting and stuff like that. I will, I'm going to make something abundantly clear for all the people who have written in and in various ways said I'm in the bag for Bob Good. Um, this, this segment of this program has, have existed since the fifth district congressman was named Tom Periello. So it's, it's not only been whoever's been the fifth district congressman, it's regardless of the political party of the congressman. So, um, you know, everyone, and I know we live in the now and I, I get that it's currently it's Congressman Bob Good. And I took a lot of flack when his predecessor was regularly a visitor on it. And, uh, Bob Good would come on and talk to us about, um, running in a primary. So, you know, everyone who's got you know something to say about my role in whatever may come in the fifth district, you can bring that to me specifically, but bigger things afoot. Uh, in the U.S. House of Representatives, and Congressman Bob Good is on the phone with us. How are you doing this morning, Bob? Good morning, Joe. Uh, great to be with you again. Happy Friday, my friend. Well, and uh, looking forward to Thanksgiving, uh, and hopefully uh, you have a lot of folks around uh, for that. Hope we all do. Uh, and um, and certainly, do you have any thoughts on Thanksgiving before we delve into the uh, turkeys that you uh, run with <laughs> in Washington? Well, I it is a, a reminder and every every day you know, one of the things I pray you know sort of help me have a grateful thankful heart and we have so much for which to be thankful in this country we are blessed to be among the five percent of the world's population that gets to call America home there's a reason why tens of thousands literally every day are trying to break into our country we are still the world's greatest hope. We are still the beacon of freedom. We are still the country that frees more people, rescues more people, ministers to more people, evangelizes more people around the globe. And that has been our history. And, uh, you know, when you when you judge or you measure uh, any American just about against the, the majority of the world, we are, we are blessed, uh, you know, beyond certainly the great vast amount of the, the world's population for all of our flaws and shortcomings as humans and and as a nation, um, mm-hmm. we have so much to be thankful for. And it, it is a wonderful, you know, historic tradition in this country that we do pause going back to the origins of our country, that we do pause once a year as a country and just thank God for his blessings. And so uh, I'm, I'm thankful, thankful for, for our country. I'm thankful for my family and friends. I'm thankful for the privilege of representing the 5th District. I'm certainly thankful to my Savior, Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and uh, for uh, my faith, which is the most important thing in my life. So much to be thankful for. And I certainly wish a blessed, wonderful Thanksgiving week ahead uh, to everyone across the fifth district. And so now past the stuffing, uh, I believe it has pork sausage in it. Uh, and that being this continuing resolution, I, I saw you holding court yesterday about uh, this. How did, how did this, you know, and how did uh, speaker Johnson, you know, manage to, uh, you know, make a worse continuing resolution deal than Kevin McCarthy did. Well, it is a bad deal. It's bad for the country, bad for Americans, uh, certainly bad for 
our national debt situation. And we learned about it after we, we last spoke last Friday, and we learned about it in a Saturday conference call. Uh, while I respect Speaker Johnson, I'm glad he is our speaker. I admire his integrity and his conservative core. Uh, he did inherit a difficult situation, and he's uh, he made a decision different than what I would have made. I was lobbying him last week along with my uh, conservative colleagues to send the Senate a more conservative Republican short-term spending deal that had spending cuts, that uh, that uh, had border security, that had some some leverage in there that, that the Senate and the White House wouldn't really like. Uh, but what I wanted them to do is to send something similar to the continuing resolution that I voted for back on September uh, 29, I think it was, uh, that, that ultimately didn't pass. But uh, And then we would go home and leave it up to the Senate to decide whether or not to shut down the government in return for some spending cuts and some border security measures that would strengthen our country. Unfortunately, the Speaker felt like he couldn't hold the Republican conference together. Uh, in a potential shutdown fight, that if the Senate said no, that some of our members would cave, uh, some who are just deathly afraid of any pause in uh, non-essential uh, government operations, the 15% of, of the government that doesn't function during the shutdown period. Uh, and and he, so what was sent was an unconditional uh, uh, continuing resolution, although it was t laddered or tiered with part expiring and January parts expiring in, in February, which was a Freedom Caucus idea, but we, but we didn't want it to be an unconditional in terms of, of mm. no spending cuts. Worse, exacerbating the problem, there was an extension of the Farm Bill through September, uh, something that was going to have trouble passing the House on its own merits in its, in its current form. So that took away our ability to to uh, wow to adjudicate that, if you will. And dumps and so it to that, that's dumps it right into your lap in the middle of re-election campaigning time, too. That's right, which which doesn't bother me in that respect, but it bothers many members. I mean, we need to do our job in an election year, uh, <laughs> irrespective of the calendar. And frankly, uh, the American people deserve to see where their elected officials stand by having to do our job during an election year. Mm -hmm. So I strongly disagreed with the continuing resolution. Now, to Speaker Johnson's credit, he has said, hey, this is the last CR I'm going to do. We are going... And, and the, the one advantage of breaking into two parts means you don't have a, a time period where the whole of government funding ends mm. uh, on, you know, on a fixed date, but you've, you've split it into two dates where you can work on part of it by the middle of January 19, the other part of it by February 2. We've passed seven spending bills. The Senate has only passed three. The Senate really doesn't want to pass them individually. Even the three-day pass were in what's called a mini bus. They wrap them all together. And what they're hoping for is an omnibus, you know, mm -hmm. uh, now instead of it being uh, December, it could be January. But uh, what uh, uh, what we've got to do is summon the resolve to fight, because at the end of the day, Joe, what will happen is the Senate will say no to what we want to do. The yep. Senate will say yeah, no yeah. to spending cuts. The Senate will say no to individual spending bills. The Senate will say no to border security. And so then the House, how do we force them to do it? Do we just go along and surrender and say, oh, well, compromise means doing what the Democrats do want to do. And that's how you by then we'll have 34 trillion in national debt. We're on our way to 36 trillion by the end of this Congress a year from now. That's what Republicans are going to run on, 36 trillion in national debt now uh, and no border security. I mean, what 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 did we accomplish with the American people yeah. or for the American people? So. 
we've got to summon the resolve. And that was my message to the entire Republican conference in our meeting on Wednesday, is if the Senate and the White House know that we will not risk anything from a leverage standpoint, uh, stand our ground and hold firm and fight, uh, then we're going to lose every time. And I'll, I'll repeat something that my good friend from Ohio, Warren Davidson, a strong conservative member of the Freedom Caucus with me, he said to the entire conference, well, if we decide to fight in January, one advantage we will have is the element of surprise, because that's one of the you know, key components of the art of war is the element of surprise. Everyone will be so surprised that we're finally fighting that we will have that advantage come <laughs> January. Uh, and it's, it's sad that that truth is, is so humorous. Uh, because of the impact on the American people. And uh, so I was very disappointed in the the continuing resolution. Um, I'm doing everything I can to try to hold Speaker Johnson accountable to what he has said. I believe that he intends to keep his word on that. But the conference, the Republicans need to stand behind him and do and be what we say we are and what we say we will do. Uh, That's the key. There was a fellow who once said something along the lines of trust but verify. I remember that from uh, – Yeah, I remember a famous president who said that very word. Yes, sir. Um, I want to move off of this to a question a listener uh, came in with regarding our support of Israel. Uh, and there's there's growing um, – you know, and I guess that's always been there, this, this idea that a lot of Americans' problem – America's problems are because we support Israel uh, and that we shouldn't be. Um, and and they're making comparisons to Ukraine and our, uh, what's going on between Russia and Ukraine. Certainly, I don't see the same uh, parallels. But but you talk about are there parallels between Russia and Ukraine and Hamas and Israel, or are they different things? And and you know, what what should we be doing more of for Israel or less of? Bob? Well, I don't see them as equivalent uh, situation, certainly, uh, and I think they ought to stand on their own and on their own merits. Um, I think Israel is a unique, special ally to the United States. I think most Americans feel that way. They are one of our only, in my view, two or three true allies, I would say Israel and and Great Britain, uh, and the list is short after that. Uh, They are the only true democracy in the Middle East. They are surrounded by uh, nations who I don't believe in their right to exist, who have said that they would push them into the sea if they could. Um, I I do uh, unapologetically uh, support Israel. Um, I think one of the great things that the speaker did, and I I know we've talked about it before, but it's worth repeating because it's such a change to how Washington operates when uh, when uh, the, the, the invasion of Israel took place on October 7, the brutal uh, terrorist uh, attack by Hamas. Uh, once you know there was okay, we need to get some more aid to Israel. Uh, as you know, the Senate and the White House said, "Well, you you can't do the 14 billion for Israel unless you do 106 billion total package." So 92 billion has nothing to do with Israel, which was 60 billion for Ukraine and some other humanitarian assistance, emergency assistance, and uh, more money to process illegals into the country for Secretary Mayorkas. Uh, and, and you can't get the 14 billion for Israel unless you do the whole package, which is obviously to most Americans, that's ridiculous. Mm-hmm, sure. uh, and so number one, we separated it. 
critical. That doesn't happen in Washington. Number two, we said it has to be paid for. Well, supplementals, that the reason they call them supplementals is they're supplement the budget. They're extra. You don't pay for them. You just tack them on. And that's how you get to, again, 30, nearly $34 trillion national debt. We said, no, it's got to be paid for. Even something so important, because Israel is more fiscally solvent than we are. They don't have yeah. $34 trillion national debt. They're not running a $200 billion deficit. So why should we borrow even for such a just, righteous cause as Israel when we can pay for it by cutting other spending? And then what the speaker did, and, and we encouraged him to do this, was to take it out of the IRS expansion, $80 billion that we've talked about many times to add 87,000 IRS agents. And then he has held firm on that. And the Senate, Chuck Schumer, claims to be the protector of Israel unless – you have to pay for it, or unless you have to reduce the, the Biden expan uh, IRS expansion, or unless you don't tack on another $92 billion to it that has nothing to do with Israel. So we're, that's, that, that is yeah. monumental, that change. Now, that said, on the Ukraine side, Ukraine ought to have an up or down vote on its own merits and let the, let the, let, uh, the members of Congress and the Senate be on record for their justification for their support or lack thereof. The merits of that support or lack thereof, and I don't support additional aid for Ukraine for a number of reasons. And just because you support it for Israel doesn't mean that you're bound to support it for every right. other uh, nation or every other uh, uh, spending need, if you will, or that, that's put forward. Um, so uh, I, I am concerned about this administration's initial response when it was, you know, Anthony Blinken the next day calling for a ceasefire. Biden was silent on it for four days. Then they began to come around and support Israel, although they haven't supported our funding package the way I just described it. And then you are hearing, you know, weakening of that support with calls for pauses and ceasefires and restraint and so forth. Imagine uh, when uh, this happens in our country with the, you know, over, we've talked about the 1.5 million gotaways that that don't want all the free stuff and surrender to uh, Secretary Mayorkas and, and his. Uh, Department of Homeland Insecurity, but all the 1.5 million, however many just terrible terrorist actors are part of that, when they begin to wreak their habit in this country and they're living among us, could you imagine if other nations world were telling us to show restraint as we try to put that down? Or if, let's say the 9-11 perpetrators weren't just you know uh, 19 people who died in the terrorist attacks, but it was thousands who were among us continuing to wreak that havoc. And we, you know, and we're and we've got other countries telling us to, you know, show restraint mm -hmm. and stand down. We cannot do that, to Israel. Well, but Congressman Bob Good is on with us. Joe Thomas in the morning, WCHV Radio. Uh, Bob, uh, then uh, last uh, last one for you, and we'll let you go. Get on into uh, your weekend. Um, when you, when you listen to China say there's room in the world for both countries to be successful, and then the president says, and we're going to get more money flowing for green. Uh, energy projects in there. What was your take on the APEC summit uh, that uh, the president attended? Well, it's hard to uh, feel good about uh, this president on the world stage meeting with a world, we'll say, world leader, uh, president who once again had, had trouble finding his way off the stage, uh, the president who's celebrating that, you know, I feel like I'm reminded of Lloyd Chamberlain, uh, you know, hey, we have fentanyl peace now. Because the Chinese have promised to reduce their efforts to poison or curb, I think was the word that was used, yeah. curb their efforts to poison Americans. Uh, we're celebrating that as a victory that the Chinese have you know, agreed to reduce their efforts to poison Americans. At least they admitted uh, they were so, doing it, right? <laughs> yeah. 
and at least it was a topic of discussion. Typically, this present administration doesn't confront China on uh, on their sins. I'll say, you know, whether it's uh, stealing our intellectual property, whether it's uh, you know their foreign influence on our college campuses and buying up property in our country. Uh, the, the many things China is doing as our chief adversary, um, and you know, the, the, this president has not recognized China the way the previous president did. President Trump was the one who was out front on this and mm-hmm. was right in recognizing China as an adversary. I'm certain that uh, President Xi took the measure of the man again with our president and found him wanting, found him lacking. There's no way that he fears or respects this president because that would be impossible to do so. And so that weakens America. Uh, and we're told that we cannot, you know, the reports that I get in Washington is we cannot win a war with China right now because of the diminishment of our military. Another reason why I don't support sending our resources to Ukraine mm-hmm. in the, to the level that, that, this, that some want us to do. Uh, but certainly very concerning every time we see this president on the world stage. Well, you mentioned President Trump, and I'm just going to bring Israel back into this. I mean, you know, the first thing the White House did upon 2021 arriving um, was get out of the or, uh, you know, stop supporting the Abraham Accords. I mean, this was something and, and then started giving money back to Iran um, out of sanctions. And, and we're supposed to be surprised that Iran is doing this stuff. Uh, it's crazy because that Abraham Accords really triangulated Iran out of any power by bringing Israel and a bunch of Arab countries together. Yes, President Trump was the best friend friend that Israel ever had. What a contrast to Joe Biden. Yeah, he's the one who finally, finally moved our embassy to Jerusalem. You know, uh, we ought to respect Israel's right to decide where they want you know, our embassy to be. And like you said, brokered, negotiated the Abraham Accords, historic accords. Uh, we had relative peace uh, <laughs> on a historical measurement in the Middle East during the Trump presidency, and now you see what's happened here today. And, and to your point, Biden was part of the administration that, said a hun- that sent $150 billion, a massive amount of money, to Iran when he was part of the Biden-Obama administration, money that has been used ever since to fund terrorism and then trying to send, obviously, billions more today even. Uh, this president has em- empowered and emboldened our enemies and our adversaries, and, uh, and Israel is suffering as a result today. And yet, and then we have the audacity to say that Israel should show restraint, and Israel should have a pause or a ceasefire, um, and and shouldn't see this through. They should be able to do whatever they need to protect their people. Congressman Bob Good, the website is good.house.gov. Bob, we'll talk to you again uh, next week, but uh, uh, maybe, I don't know if you have Black Friday shopping to do or not. I look forward to it. <laughs> I'll Won't be, be doing any Black Friday shopping, <laughs> I assure that. Uh, yeah, have a blessed Thanksgiving, and we'll talk to you again soon. Thank you, Joe. God bless uh, thank you so much, uh, and uh, thank you for joining in. Get prepped, get the turkeys ready, get the tofurkeys ready, get the ham, however you do it, um, whatever you are doing for Thanksgiving, get yourself prepared uh, through this weekend. Um, my my Thanksgiving preparations begin with uh, putting a new heat unit in a dryer. Uh, my, my sister continues to laugh at me saying, that's another thing Dad would never have done. As well, my parents were much more call the guy who does the thing. My wife's parents, my wife's dad, he was, I'll do the thing. So, therefore, I have to be the guy who does the thing. Uh, so, uh, wish me luck onto that uh, tomorrow morning in the newsroom and then Monday morning back here uh, for the Thanksgiving week. Until, to, until any of those, so long and thanks for all the fish. <laughs>